Hey, it's Grant. Before the show starts today, I want to tell you about Hangover Destroyer. Hangover Destroyer is the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. If you like to drink at night and be able to think in the morning, one shot of Hangover Destroyer lets you have all the fun and no side effects. Go to Hangover Destroyer's website, that's hdestroyer.com, write happy hour in the coupon code, and get 30% off your order of Hangover Destroyer and seize the dawn. It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour as part of the family of shows on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com. Brought to us today by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town or you have a schedule that keeps you away from home, the folks at Petite Pet Care understand that some pets don't mind being boarded, but others prefer the comfort of their own home. If that's your pet, Petite Pet Care will give them loving care when you're not there. You can find them at petitepetcare.com. That's French, by the way. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stall, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limo or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans. And this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. <laughs> Other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar. In this case, we're at Wayfair on Ferret Street, along with the fabulous chef Kevin White. Chef Kevin, come over here. Pull up a chair. Okay, Chef Kevin, how's it going? It's going quite well, thank you. Move in here, so we're talking to the supremely <coughs> cheap microphones that we've purchased. <laughs> so, what I normally say at this point of the show is, I'm sure you're too embarrassed to hear this, but but uh, I normally say Wayfair puts handcrafted uh, fine dining into a sandwich, and Chef Kevin White is not just making up some sort of bullshit slogan. That's real. He was a chef with Mario Battaglia in New York, and he moved to New Orleans and opened Wayfair and puts all his experience into making sandwiches for some reason best known to yourself. I'm sorry. Was that it was it. Oh, that was it. Oh. Yeah, well, that was kind of wasn't really a question, but you can comment on that if you like. This is true, and this has um, been a life's work going into sandwich and other things. I cure my own charcuterie um, and do several other things. And one of the reasons I wanted to be here today is because uh, we're launching a new bar menu. Uh, it actually started this week, and uh, it's going to be another evolving display of the things we'd like to do and eat here and I actually brought over a couple of plates if you'd like to see oh look at this holy crap Douglas take so, a look at this okay so um, and we like to have fun we're very um, whimsical and playful here we don't like uh, to have fun but I guess we, <laughs> we could do it just to indulge you thank you what have you got so the here? most fun whimsical thing is uh, what everyone loves in this great bar food are mozzarella sticks now everyone knows I make my own mozzarella and what I do is I take a hot mozzarella ball I splay it out to make a rectangle. I take my house-cured prosciutto, chop it up with some basil, put it on the inside of the mozzarella. I roll it up tightly, and then I triple bread it until it's this meltingly gooey deliciousness on the inside. I should have smoked more pot before this. <laughs> well, so that's, obviously that's, now. It's, well, that, that's how I get these that's ideas. That's <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Just got done. Um, <laughs> one of the other items is uh, a take on uh, onigiri. Uh, onigiri is like what arancini is to Italians. They take their leftover rice, which in this case is sushi rice, and we uh, and we uh, make chicken teriyaki. You mix the chicken with the sushi rice, and they have these onigiri molds. Mine happens to be triangular. So I have these triangular onigiri. So we have a teriyaki. rectangle of mozzarella and a triangle of onigiri. 
more. No, we have. I wonder if there's a no, circle I rolled coming up. up. I oh, roll, that's going to oh, be rolled up into a cylinder. I rolled up. Yes, the matzo is a cylinder, but the onigiri is a triangle. And then it is fried and it's served with wasabi mayo and mirin, which is a traditional dipping sauce and some sriracha. And it's, um, wow. I would say, rather tasty. Um, the third of the four is uh, duck riette, a very classic French preparation. You take uh, duck confit and duck fat and sort of blend it all together. It goes on a crostini with uh, pepper jelly, then the duck. I pickle my own watermelon on top, duck cracklings, and Dijon mustard on the side. Oh, my goodness. It's very tasty. Yeah, and last... Smoke, last. <laughs> you, you high as hell. You be high as hell. Come on, that's stuff. Well, and I got to eat it. You know, you got <laughs> to eat it. But uh, there's a fourth, the tostada, which uh, if you don't mind, I'll bring out later in the show. Um, well, all right. If, you, if you'd like to uh, Let's snack take on us. these, please yes. help yourself. Chef, yeah. thank you so much, Kevin. My, my pleasure. Chef and also please come out and try this food. Every, yeah, everyone. yeah, yeah, yes. absolutely. I couldn't recommend it more. Wait till you taste this, you guys. Have, bring it on over and we'll, uh, we'll have these guys taste it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Chef yeah. Kevin White from, from Wayfair. So my guests who are going to be trying this today is Vivian Norris. Hi, Vivian. Hi, how are you? And Lionel Milton. Hello, how Hello, are you? Lionel. And uh, also James Hayes from the Lovey Dovey's is meant to be here any second. So now what are we trying first, Vivian? You, so, you know the mozzarella sticks. Oh, these my God, that looks awesome. Okay. So... Let me tell you something about about Vivian while she tries her mozzarella stick. Look, that's yeah. not a stick. That's like a, a sausage. Yeah. It's huge. I'm going to actually kind of take it like this so that you can have one as well. Too. Okay. Very good. So let me tell you about Vivian. Dr. Vivian Norris. Oh, you're a doctor as well. Oh, that, yeah. I just was in graduate school for a really long time. So. Right. That's, you end up with a PhD <laughs> at the end of that. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's Thank not you. easy to do. Uh, Dr. Vivian Norris is a New Orleans-based filmmaker and journalist who writes front-page stories for the Huffington Post and reports online for the BBC. As a filmmaker, Vivian recently completed a documentary called Obama Mama about the life of President Obama's mother, Anne Dunham. Hey, what about that? And that's finished, that film. It is. It's actually going to be playing in several film festivals. Uh, it's, it's already played in Montreal and Seattle, and it's about to play in Bali, Indonesia, a place that uh, Anne Dunham loved very much. Okay. Do you get to go to Bali? Uh, I don't. It's in a few days, and I have oh, a few a festivals bummer. in the States, so I'm going to be in New Orleans. I wish you could get to Bali. That would be nice. And it's in L.A. Uh, next week. Wow. So it's yeah. getting some... Yeah. It's getting yeah. some traction, yeah. as they say, Slow in the film booth. Yeah. yeah, well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Well, let's talk about that in a minute. Vivian's okay. also producing a feature film about Nobel Peace Prize laureate Dr. Muhammad Yunus, the pioneer of microcredit. Yes. Lionel, well, what is going on if you can't even hold on to a fork? <laughs> I was thinking I was chef. What do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> now, what are these <laughs> things here? <laughs> Look at these. These. Now, what are they? Those are the onigiri. That's oh. the onigiri. Oh, oh my God. How are we going to get out of here? Yes. Okay, I'm awesome. Good. Okay, where have I got up to so far? Uh, Microcredit. You're making a movie. Yeah. You're making a, making a feature film about well, him. I actually originally was working on a feature film about Muhammad Yunus um, a while back, and it was through the connections through uh, Muhammad Yunus that I met people who knew President Obama's mother. Um, because uh, she was one of the early pioneers in microcredit, as was, of course, as is uh, Muhammad Yunus. So that's kind of how that happened. They both were happening. Obama's mother was one of the pioneers of yeah, microcredit and microfinance, which is like low, small loans yeah. that are made to people in third world countries. Too. Well, also here um, in my film, I show how it's spread around the world, and it's actually here in New Orleans, uh, post-Katrina, there, there, I have a borrower who really? went, went through Katrina and lost her business, lost everything, and was able to start again due to one of these little loans. So, yeah. 
I didn't know that was yeah. available. I could certainly do some. Even microcredit would be better than what I've got, right, Lionel? Oh, oh. You're in the same boat. I love Obama's mama. That's cute. <laughs> That's a great idea. Okay, so um, Vivian, you've also been involved in a wide range of non-profit work, it says here, including mm-hmm. AIDS hospices for young women. Mm-hmm. And you helped found an orphanage in Cambodia. Yeah, I actually, um, I started by, when I was, it's combined with documentary filmmaking. I was in uh, graduate school in Seattle years ago, and I was working on a documentary about teen mothers. And um, through that, I was invited to work with these teen mothers on the weekends. So I spent about five years on the weekends and holidays living as a weekend house mother with these teen moms. Realized I had kind of a gift for working with young women. Um, just sort of Me listening. Too. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I could get paid for that or make a movie <laughs> about oh, it. Go ahead, boy. Well, <laughs> or get my own orphanage. I just, you know, we. They actually taught me how to be a mother because I was scared about having a child and everything. And then I saw that I thought if these girls can do it, I can do it. But. I listened to them a lot when they talked about their lives. And this um, was in Cambodia. This was in Seattle originally. Oh, I thought and then, we were in Cambodia. Uh, now we're in Seattle. Okay. And then, and I then, was wondering if you speak Cambodian. <laughs> no. And then a Red Cross nurse I knew who had worked in Cambodia during the atrocities was going back there in retirement to uh, start an orphanage um, for for children. Yeah, obviously, her sick. Um, and and that also led to me meeting someone who was starting a, a living center for young women who had AIDS on the Nepalese Indian border. I'm more involved with the Cambodian project at this point. I did a lot of her first fundraising and stuff. So, so you so you're in Cambodia already, or you just no, knew some, you knew someone who was. I, I was living in France. I lived in France for many years. I knew the Swiss Red Cross nurse. She was taking her retirement. She told me what she was doing. I knew about the doctor she was working with. He's kind of a well-known guy named Beat Richter. And he started several children's hospitals in Cambodia. And she said, look, there are children who are dropped off at these hospitals. No one comes to pick them up because they have AIDS or deformities. And so she said, I'm going to start a living center for these children who no one comes to That is an up. awesome idea if you, you just take your kid to a hospital and you never go to pick them up. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty sad. How old are these kids? Um, all ages. I mean, he... This, are you serious? Yeah. This like, you can bring up a kid to the age of, like, you know, six or seven or eight, like, all those well, years yeah. and... and yeah, I mean, these they just dump it off at the hospital. They they do, and like the it's, well, it's because they're poor. And and this doctor oh. who started, he now treats about eighty percent of the children. He's opened three hospitals in Cambodia because there's no good public health care for these children. Haven't we all thought at some point that we would drop our kids off at the hospital? Hasn't <laughs> yeah. that no. crossed your mind? Like, hey, you know what? <laughs> a really bad idea. <laughs> I'll be right back. I took my Good daughter heavens. to the hospital this morning, actually. That's Your daughter? Yeah. Ho- yeah. Really? She's okay. She's fine. It's nothing. In Cambodia? <laughs> it's nothing? What did you think it was? It, it, no, it was just it was too early in the morning Detroit. to go to the pediatrician, so we ended up having to go to the to the emergency room, but she was fine. Oh, my God. She's but there's fine. nothing wrong with nothing thank goodness wrong. for that. She's okay. fine. And yeah. you picked her up again. I, I, I did not leave her there. So. That's an awesome <laughs> idea. Yeah, that's Could you idea. do that in the United States? Could you drop off a kid at a hospital and never go pick him up, and then somebody would just end up putting him in an orphanage for you? Oh, that'd be, that's that's kind of convenient, huh? But that, that, that would not happen here, would nah, it? No, I don't think that would happen here, not, not in the United States. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I Do you think so. think so? I don't know. You never know. Anything's possible. Is it? I hope I hope not. But, but I, the, I would hope that nobody would ever do that anywhere. But, I mean, it's bad enough when they do it with pets. Yeah. You no, take the true. pet to the vet or the SPCA and drop it off. In it. I can't even imagine dropping off your kid. Well, I can't imagine it. But well, actually, there's some milk kids here. I don't know that. You, back in the day, you can mail your kid like the U.S. Postal Service. You can <laughs> mail it. You can, yeah, they got pictures in there. I thought it was a joke. You can you, you can like go to the post office back in the day. <laughs> what day kid. are we talking about here? No, when, I'm serious. Like, like when there was a post office. It's like a black and white time, like before I was born. 
Yeah. You, you can mail your when, kid one. When everything was black and white. Yeah, like black and white days. And you, know, you can take your kid to the post office and put them in a package. I'm, 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 I kid you not. Dude, you can go online I and check it out. And they got pictures of like little kids. I kid uh, you kids. not. Yeah, I kid you not. Well, no pun intended. No pun intended there, yeah, but okay. <laughs> but I think you cannot believe that this is true, surely. Yeah, it's true. You can, you can Back in the day, you can go to the post office and drop your kid off, and the postal guy would ride <laughs> the train with your kids, whatever. Oh, I've, heard, I've actually heard these stories where yeah, they sure. like had to send their kid, if they lived in like a rural area or whatever, mm-hmm. they had to go to New York or something, they would accompany, I guess, the kid. Oh, I, I was picturing a one-size-fits-all box. No, no it's, it, they got a kid in a bag. It's a bag. No. No, I'm, it's like a side. It's, it's like, like a canvas bag with a kid. No, I wish it was a box. It's like a side thing, like you wear like a half a purse. Yeah, and no, you stick the kid like in, a, and he's in the bag. Like That's a Bjorn thing. That's not I'm true. I'm not kidding. No, I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's true. Chris it's has got true. the information right here. Look, there it is. Thank you, Chris. Are you serious? Yeah, put him in the bag. Little That's kids. That's the picture. That's See, the picture. He's in a, a little white kid in the bag. Oh, my See? gosh. I heard that they could accompany kids, but I didn't know they actually yeah, stick really. in the bag. Okay, so you got to be kidding. Chris, what happens oh here? This is like a black male man. With a with a white kid in a bag. Yeah. Times ain't changed where, too much. <laughs> where is the kid, Chris? What's up? How did you find that even? I googled mailing. Oh. Mailing white. I googled kids mailing. Mail white kids. Okay. Black postal workers. <laughs> I never heard it. I never Not heard anything of. like it. And where? <laughs> no, I heard <laughs> stories of putting your kid on a train to like send him off for the summer, and you know they were coming out. You know they weren't accompanied by. You mean one, really? Yeah. They just kind of stuck them on a train. But they were going somewhere where you put them on a train yeah. and they would get off. But like three days later, I mean, nobody's, oh. you know. No, but that dude had the business. You got some kid, they drop him off, you stick him in the bag, you got to hang out with him for like three days. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I don't have a post office man no more. Wow, that what, a, what an interesting job that would be like. Now, that that's a movie, Vivian, right oh there, gosh. isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> kid in the mail. Uh, you know, a uh, black post office worker and a little white kid. Some obnoxious, horrible little movie. white kid, That's isn't it? Remember that? What, what was that? Was Tatum O'Neill. Uh, the or toy was that the toy with Richard Pryor and Jean- Jackie Gleason. Was it? Something like that. Was, wasn't it? Was it that? Yeah, the toy. And Richard Pryor and then the little kid went to the store and he wanted he could get anything he wanted, and he said, "I want the I want the Negro." And then Jackie Gleason <laughs> bought him uh, Richard Pryor as his toy. Okay, huh? I don't remember seeing that. Oh Did you God. see that, Vivian? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I want the Negro. What a great <laughs> sentence. <laughs> okay, so anyway, listen here. Pay attention. Vivian has worked and lived in Eastern Europe. North no, 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 no. I've lived Bullshit. and worked in, in France. I've traveled well, all hey, over hey, Eastern where Europe. Hey, where did this information come from? Oh, it says... It says, Vivian, Vivian has, has worked and lived in Eastern Europe, oh, sorry, North I Africa, Indonesia. I told you the wrong thing. I've lived in Paris, Rome, and Oslo. So what's all this bullshit That's here? all the travel and work I've done. Like on my so you film. never lived in any of these places. Well, that's not true. It. That's actually not true. Well, what is true? That's Should I say? I worked, in, I worked in Norway. I worked in Poland on my film. So that's why I meant I okay, worked so, there. All right. So could I, I could say Vivian has not worked and lived in. <laughs> Shall I do that? No, I've actually worked here. Where? I've, I've worked here. I've where? Where, where, where? Which one? I, you worked Indonesia, in North Africa? North Africa. I was in Tunisia as a journalist. In North Africa. Wow. You and worked in Indonesia. Indonesia. I was there on and off quite a bit. Did you actually, work in China? Uh, no, that's it says worked no. and lived. I should have said. Oh, what? what if I say Vivian has worked or lived? Or lived or okay. or traveled. I should have put worked, lived, and worked traveled. Worked or lived. Okay. Yeah. Vivian has worked or lived in Eastern Europe, North <laughs> Africa, Indonesia, China. Latin America, Scandinavia. Oh gosh! <laughs> Basically, what that I wrote my my PhD dissertation about globalization in cinema, and that was really an excuse to get to travel globalization for a long in time. That is a great idea because that travel around the world and look at movies. You can apply for grants back in the day, and could they would send you places, and that's they put what you did. in a bag and mail. Basically, they would they would postal put me workers. in a bag. Yeah. It was all about postal workers, <laughs> man. You know. I was the, okay, yeah. so that's pretty interesting. This is all very intimidating that you've been. No, to all it these was places. really it was really about. I literally places. went into villages. 
in, in rural Indonesia and rural Ecuador and Mexico City and stuff and went to see what are people watching, how are they watching it. In some places, they're like watching a, a B Hollywood slasher film with Marsha Brady, but they're all just having dinner with their grandmother eating in the cinema. They don't even care about the film. It's like kind of how is cinema used in different countries. That's oh, how interesting. About. That was yeah. your PhD. That was my, that was the kind of goal of it. That's how you get to be a doctor. Yeah, well. What a great, <laughs> what a great t- topic for a PhD, though. I didn't know you could be actually, do it. I know, I'm in. I'm actually, it's, it's turned out to be kind of interesting because you looked yeah. at all these different ways that they were distributing film. Like, right. how are they doing this in these rural villages? Well, and how like would it? you get a film if you were living in East Bumfuck? Nowadays, I mean, the, I started talking about the future of digital distribution. So nowadays, you could literally stick a projector in your smartphone. So you could you could project it on a wall in a village mm-hmm. or whatever it would be. Or in but India, they would take you know um, uh, illegal pirating of cable channels and and, yeah. and do stuff like that. I mean, it's just all different kinds of ways. It depends. Get your entertainment on. That's real. And are they still doing that? Are they still projecting from your cell phone? Well, I mean, that's one of the things that we're they're actually starting to do that now because the projectors have come down in cost. And then you can you know, like my film, I'm hoping a version of my film would be projected with FilmAid, this nonprofit in refugee camps, because they can talk about microcredit and poverty alleviation in a fun way or but whatever. This is a pretty good way to make some money. You just get on a plane and show up somewhere with your cell phone and show movies actually that was my idea and I was going to say something about <laughs> ah, it was your idea I thought it was <laughs> no 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 sorry <laughs> that I thought was, I was onto something I actually <laughs> was, was saying that microcredit could be a way for people in these areas to start a small business doing content distribution like in uh, Muhammad Yunus started Grameen Phone where one woman would take a small loan buy a cell phone in the village and she would become the Grameen Phone lady that became the, the most it was like uh, Lassie the, my, the most <laughs> remember that when they used to crank up the thing and that was in the black and white days too yeah that was definitely black and white no, right. but she, is but it the she same was, kind of principle it was kind of like that like if, has a phone. if you needed to call your son who was working somewhere or call the city to find out what the price of something was they'd come to this lady and pay right. her a little bit or whatever so now what I'm saying is why can't you do that with content distribution you know you basically pay someone who's going to be streaming it for you and do a do an exhibition or whatever you know it could be educational it could be fun it could be whatever so but if i'm you know if i'm that guy living in the village or that yeah. woman how do i get the actual info on my phone how do i get the movie you well nowadays if you have a smartphone you can stream it um mm. there, there's different ways yeah, but if i'm the it. only person in the village who's got a phone is there a cell service oh, man. It, i can barely, I can barely it get really it depends. Yo, I, wish I, was, I wish i was it can't be at&t there right well, they have. They have like world. They have well, you know, when you go somewhere to buy minutes in these little villages, you can also buy cards yeah. that would have a, a streaming code, so you could actually go and buy. You know, this. Yeah, lady but what are you tapping into? Is there like cell service uh, really for real? And I, I'm actually not sure. You've got ad hoc systems. You've got all kinds of systems yeah, being tested out. System, man. You know what she said? You did hoc system. Ad hoc yeah. system. Yeah, you did hoc system. <laughs> okay, I've like almost finished said. this introduction now, Lionel. I'll tell you some. The last sentence I'm going to read about you, Vivian, is it oh says. God. In her spare time, so this is probably. I'm sorry, lies I too. said you. No, I just I cut and pasted from a couple different bios. This was all a mess. Sorry about that. A mess. I <laughs> thought this was very professional. This is as professional as we get. In her spare time, Vivian collects outsider art. Yes, I do, including New Orleans artist the late Willie White. Yes, oh. yes, I, I bought know, a Willie White at, a, at an auction. You like Willie White? He's I cool. Do. He's super cool, but people don't know enough about him outside of New Orleans. And I was hoping they would do a show at the Ogden because there's somebody here who has like 20 of his works. Yeah. And I thought they should do a show. Did you get him to do the show? 
Um, you talking about doing the I, show? No, I just, well, I, I don't know if I mentioned it to them. I met the people who own the works. Oh, um, right and on. then I mentioned it to someone at the Ogden last week. They had a big opening. and so Were they interested at all? Yeah, they were actually. Good. They were. Do you actually. have any Willie Whites, Lionel? No, I don't have any Willie Whites at all. He, he was cool. Collection. He, he just used to sell them off his front porch yeah, on Dryad Street yeah. there. I mean, um, there must be hundreds of them everywhere. There probably are, but the thing is, because they were do- done in um, kind of Mark's a lot type of things, they, they ah. fade, I guess. Oh, I see. So you have to I thought you did them in house fade. paint. No, the ones They're I have on are done in kind of pin, um, pins. How did you find them? Didn't you? I went to this arts ball during Mardi Gras. They mm-hmm. had this Ball des Artistes, and I went, and they had a, no no one bid on it. I thought everybody be bidding on this thing, yeah. and no one bid on it. And I was like, so you speak French, obviously. Yeah. Can you say petite pet care? Petite pet care. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is. That's more like it. That's, <laughs> That's how we cool. should say it. Yeah, for real, right? Okay. Okay. So now, Lionel, I'm going to have to introduce you now oh, to, okay. to, to everybody who's listening. What well, to the three people who are still listening? <laughs> Lionel Milton is a New Orleans artist whose distinctive work reflects an exuberant joy of life. True? Oh. Uh, I would yeah, say that's I'm true. So exuberant. Exuberant. Right now. Yeah. You look pretty exuberant. <laughs> and it's painted from a uniquely New Orleans perspective. Lionel's work hangs in homes around the world. And wherever you are in the world right now, there's a pretty good chance you've seen it, even if you don't know it. Lionel's designs are used by Disney, Target, Budweiser, and Atronic on children's clothing, bedding, and promotional materials. Got lucky. Among other commissioned work, Lionel creates the annual Voodoo Experience poster each year, and his most recent venture is Sony PlayStation 3. It says here you're designing a level for the new video game release of Little Big Planet. Yeah, we did that already. It's all over? <laughs> well, I'm with her. Well, yeah, I did that, but um, now we've moved on a few years later, and um, now I, I do stuff with um, other companies too, besides those, so it's fun. What else are you doing? Um, I do um, done a lot of um, Heineken stuff that you see around for the carnival season, and uh, down here I do a, lot of, a ton of work with Red Bull, and we're working on a mural um, project we're going to do in about three weeks, so it's been fun. Oh, nice. Fun. Yeah, and um, in the last 15 years, I get a chance to do um, Jazz Fest. And, uh, of course, Voodoo Fest, I do the poster for right. it. That's cool. And uh, beyond that, other great work. So it's been fun. So you do Heineken and Red Bull. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like opposites. <laughs> well, one's a, uh, more of a, a beer, and the other one's One is a, definitely a beer, and the other is... The other's an energy drink. Yeah, I know and, that uh, much. And, I, and, um, and oh, I got ice cream with the Warner's Ice Cream Company, Moan Ice Cream. Ah, so it's all liquids. You it's do like <laughs> well, ice cream's not supposed to be liquid. It's supposed to be frozen. Well, it's kind of frozen, a liquid that's frozen. Yeah, I guess now. it's frozen yeah. liquid. Frozen do liquid, you yeah. do, uh, which flavor <laughs> do you do for New Orleans ice cream? Um, I have two. Um, one is a uh, uh, mint chocolate, and they have the Pink House project I did with uh, the downtown project. Right. That's um, sort of so uh, that's one. It's uh, mint chocolate. And the other one is uh, toasted coconut, which is my all-time favorite. That and uh, that good. was my first flavor out. And I like the, the design a lot because it has um, a second line scene going around it. And I'm very proud of the, um, being a, uh, a guy got got ice cream like that. It's fun. Toasted, toasted coconut's a great flavor. So, well, mint yeah. chocolate must be one of the most popular ones. Do yeah. You get, do you get paid every time they sell one? Man, does anybody, what's, what up for my knife at? Uh, They're bringing yeah. a He's fork. Bring, we can he, get he, you a knife. He needs a knife and a fork. I can have yeah. someone. This is We can good. have one of our people get you a knife, Lionel. Don't worry, now that we've found out that you do the Red Bull. What do you do for the Red Bull? Do um, I do, the, like, when they do the Street Kings thing down in Claiborne Underpass, every year, uh, they, every couple of years they do a, um, a, a brass band blowout because we're known, you know, workplace of jazz, being New Orleans. So they do, like, this, uh, thanks, bro. They do this brass band blowout. All the backgrounds and all, like, the merch and all that stuff, I do all the artwork for it. Wow. All of it. Do like, you have an agent or someone? Who? An agent? 
2014. Or a manager. <laughs> you don't have anything? You do all your own business? Yeah. They just course. contact you? Like, uh-huh. that's cool. Yeah, call me. Well, well you've been around <laughs> for a long time. Oh, yeah, I'm old as dirt. I don't think pretty old. Older than dirt. Older, older than. Well, you're yeah. old enough to know that you can put your kid in the sack in the post office. <laughs> did, you, did you finish school here? In New Orleans? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, uh, like high school, you mean? Or like uh, college? Well, you didn't go to college at all, nah, did you? No, uh, I didn't do all that. You can right. tell, huh? Uh, no, I just <laughs> I, mess with I just thought that would probably be a waste of time in your case. Nah, I don't. A lot of artists I know they went to school. It's great. They they did their thing. Right. But school just wasn't my thing. Yeah. But so you just started painting straight right out of. Um, I started drawing. Um, I was kind of born with a gift, but I just kept doing it like as if as if I didn't have it. So I, I like if I was an athlete, it's almost like I like going to practice, even though if I'm big already. I just love to draw. I love to paint. I love to create. I love to. Just do it because it's fun. So, uh, yeah, I just I'll, eventually I, I just never stopped. So, right. But you like, never uh, actually went to school to learn how to do it. You just did it. I just did it. I mean, I, I look. I, I guess when I got older, I looked at it like this: like um, before they were learning institutions, we invented, we like built the pyramids. So, if they can build pyramids way back then, then I can draw a picture without a degree. So I just kind of looked at it like that. What do you think about that, Vivian? Well, I was just thinking. I kind of hate the name outsider art, even though that's what a lot of people call it. But it's really self-taught artists. I'm an autodidact. Yeah, no and doubt. The thing that's cool about that for me, and why that's the kind of art I like to collect or whatever, is because it's, I, well, it's obnoxious word, but authentic. I mean, mm-hmm. they just feel like they need to do it. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is a lot of times they're going to do it whether they get paid or not. They're just going to keep doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> I say it all the time. Like, this is, this is like this is like what I do. Right. Sometimes I finish a project and then I'll be painting like 30, like, I don't know, 30 hours straight or take a few breaks. When I'm done, I just paint or draw just because it's like I'm done with that thing. So if I put 20 hours into a painting for a project, I'll probably put about 25 or 30 for my own. Because I want, I just love to do it, and I should do it, and I should always get better. Because that's what I was given the gift to do. And it's fun. There's, it's all, there's, all, there's a lot of artists like that. Musicians are like that too. I think mm-hmm. that's how a lot of people get exploited, actually, because yeah, they're going to do it whether they get paid or not. Mm-hmm. And so people don't bother paying them. Yeah, no, it's true. Right. I noticed that, you know, but you know, even though it's something I love and I, I enjoy. You know, also got to make a living, so right. You know, it's a balance. How do you have the business together? How do people come to you, and how do they find you, and uh, um, how do you negotiate? With, how do you know uh, how much to ask for? Oh, over time, you just kind of pick it up and learn all that stuff. So it's a kind of like a four-part question. But these days, you can contact you from email to you know social networking to the phone or whatever. So, but the way they find out, it's always really, really different. Every story's different. Every last story is different from. I well, had, just how, did, how did Red Bull find you? That would be interesting. Um, they came. I had. A, I threw a party at my house, and one of the people uh, that was a friend of theirs, uh, when they first came down to New Orleans, invited them to my house, and I was having a party, and um, they came over and I had like a band playing in my backyard and stuff, and they didn't know whose house it was, and they didn't know what's going on, and uh, they figured, they just realized it was me, this art, artist dude. And uh, they liked my house. They liked what was going on. They liked my vibe. But then they really loved the artwork. They were like, well, beyond everything else that was, they liked everything that was going on, like the energy and the, and the creativity. But they had never seen what I did. So when they saw, like, this is what comes out of that, they, they hmm. just was like, let's cool. kind of so do a lot just, of stuff now. They just stumbled on you. They weren't looking for someone. No, they, 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 just, just they, came, they came to a, a backyard party. 
<laughs> Basically. He doesn't need an agent. Yeah. So it's kind of worked like that. <laughs> really? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of worked like that. Well, Vivian, how do, you, how do you get financed? Who paid for Obama Mama? You know, I, when I started it, um, I actually had the, the job on the Muhammad Yunus. And then when that was winding down, I decided, well, I don't know how long it's going to take for that big, big film to get made. So I'm just going to do my own thing. And I started originally just during my vacations uh, shooting and uh, shot with some friends and stuff and you know I paid people but at the same time I used a little bit of my savings and when it got when I realized it was getting really serious uh, at that point I did ask for two friends who invested a tiny bit of money um, and that was how I was able to finish it. But you never got a film company or? No, I didn't. Originally. Democratic Party? Um, no. <laughs> no, I, I, in fact, I didn't even ask permission because I'd heard a rumor that there was another guy trying to make a film about her. And then I also heard that he had tried to approach um, President Obama and that he had promised he would have, you know, President Obama on board and all that. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to make the film. Um, and I bought clips of President Obama speaking out about his mother. I didn't need to go and interview him again. He'd already said some great stuff. Like, yeah. there's a speech during the Nobel Peace Prize dinner where he says, you know, whether or not I deserve this prize, if I do ever deserve it one day, it's because of what my mother instilled in me. So I thought, he can't say it better than that. Mm -hmm. So right. I just, you know, did it that way. I wish he would do something for World Peace. That would be <laughs> awesome to earn the Nobel Peace Prize. I, well, no, don't cool. get me started on that. Cause, uh, I can get you started on it if you okay. like. Have I you had actually, a drink? I yes. actually think there's a lot of things that we don't hear about enough that he's done. And I also think that when we do, when you do see this film, what comes out of it is what she did instill in him is very reflected in the things he did do um and you know i, I think we're, we're very lucky i think everyone he, he's done things i don't like and stuff too but in, in general i think we don't hear enough about the things he did do and how hard it's been to do it because everybody's going to fight him well that's right. well that's true too I and like the thing with, the, with like the press or with the media you don't know what you're getting i don't no. believe you don't know whether anything is true or it's not true or well, it's based on the truth i don't believe you got a basketball ridiculous. basketball at the white house i don't believe that that's got to be a lie <laughs> <laughs> Look at look at <laughs> Michelle Obama doing stuff with, with you know organic gardening and trying to get people healthy. I mean, yeah, this cool. country really needs that. You know, you've got kids are obese and ridiculous. And every time they try and do something good, it's like oh, they slam them down. I'm kind of over it. Yep. But anyway, his mom was super cool. Yep. So I like the I like I like what he's doing. I like the fact he's there. Rather, my opinion about him, rather he do a good job or not, he's the first, yeah. like the first person here to try to. You know, make well, irrigate water or try to build a building. Probably messed it up or did something, but they tried it. It was the first one. Yeah. So rather he do a good job or not, I'm glad he's. He, you know, he got a shot to do it. You know, he's not gonna be the. I mean, hopefully, be more. But it's pretty first hard. Time. It's pretty hard to succeed as president of the United States, no matter who you are. Yeah, no matter who you are, all of them did Everybody. crazy stuff. One of them had like wooden teeth or something. You know, I mean, I don't do crazy stuff. <laughs> Wooden teeth. One of them got gold teeth. <laughs> I think that would be great if the From president wooldn't had gold, gold teeth. teeth. The president. Hey, what, what are you guys eating? What is this one? <laughs> God oh bless gosh. America. Do you know this, this is, is the duck riot one. Duck? No, I'm good. Thanks. I'm it's good. Um, that does look. That does look awesome. Good. though. It does. This is the best one though. The arancini or whatever he called it. It's We're a Japanese good. arancini. That is good. Do you want some? Hey, so, so she was dead already, Mrs. Obama. She died in 1995. I think she was about 50, I want to say 56 or 52. I'm That's forgetting old. now. Um, 1995, she was like 50. On she was 50. Hold on. I'm, I think she's 52. She, um, everybody gets her confused with her mother um, because <laughs> her mother kind of took care of, took care of, uh, who's that? <laughs> like a mom. Who gets confused with no, people always say, oh, she's the one who did this. And I said, no, 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 that's not her. That was his grandmother, the mother's mother. Who was his grandmother? His grandmother is the, the woman who vo was able to vote for him right before she died, like 
when he ran the first time, literally, she voted absentee, I think, right before, right before she died. His, so his grandmother lived longer than his mother? Yeah, his grandmother lived longer than his mother. Mm. His mother, he dedicated the uh, Health Care uh, Act to his mother's memory. She had some health insurance, but she didn't have complete insurance. So she was literally arguing with health care, uh, with insurers as she was dying. Um, and she went back to Indonesia to try and get treatment where she could afford it because she was scared to get treated in the States. And I think this is very interesting mm -hmm. because, I mean, we're in Louisiana mm -hmm. and he's tried to put this through. And here you've got a state where it's, I mean, do you, do you just want poor people to die? I mean, what's the point? It's ridiculous. I mean, I I've lived in France, and, and this wouldn't be happening. It's ridiculous. And, and uh, he's been trying to do something good for people because it can make people go bankrupt, makes their you know, health. It's just absurd. Well, so do you know anything about the Affordable Care Act, actually? I know. I, I'm not thrilled about some parts of it. I will definitely say that. I would rather have a single payer like there is in France, to be honest right. with you. But um, what I, do, I think it was a first step in a process in a country where everything's about the profit motive in it and you got pharmaceutical companies you got doctors you've got you know people who sue doctors you've got insurance companies who are you know, every, it doesn't seem like the goal is the welfare of the people and and in france they spend less per person and they have the best health care in the but world that's pretty well known exactly. isn't it that what we spend more per person on health care in the united states of america and we have like the worst outcome yeah it's absurd it's absurd that's horrible yeah it is that's uh, terrible well, yeah. what would the solution be i mean there's not going to be another move to france what's, what's move, to france. move to france <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea i'm going back to extra performance i'm going back to south of france you've there been you there already lano what'd you think yeah, of it? yeah it was great i was only brother there that's really great <laughs> you were yeah. the only black guy in france Can I go that back can't be right no not the only black guy in france there other black people there i saw some <laughs> Was that brothers? Yeah. Are cool. there many uh, black people in France? Were we the well, the part I was the part I was in, they didn't have a lot, but it was cool. It was it was down in south of France, actual performance. What were you there. doing there? Working or just hanging out? Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> it was, it just was hanging good. out, doing art. I'm an artist. Do you right. Mean, yeah, artist, but I mean, did you get flown over there for something like no, I was Red Bull in French? Up. How do you say oh. Red Bull in French? I, I have no oh, idea. Man, I wouldn't even know. What's no the word for red? Rouge. But they don't. They don't. What's the word for bull? Rouge d'or. I don't think they call it rouge d'or. Rouge. Who's the whole? I'm going to lose my job, That's man. Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> well, how the Heineken's the same word in French, I think, so you're okay on that one. Yeah. Well, so, what were you doing there? Just hanging out, really? I'm seriously? Out. Yeah. yeah. Is it like a chick magnet being at <laughs> No, not me. <laughs> never. Oh, no. no. Way. Are you married still? Huh? Or are you married or single uh -uh. or what? What's the story? Am I, which one? Are you married or single? <laughs> or both? <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> Man, where's Ray Rice when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> Man. Lord have mercy. What, happened? <laughs> what is Ray Rice going to do with, with the rest of his life, I wonder now? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, hopefully he'll have a good, uh, a better career than I have as answering this question. So, yeah, what, what is, what, it's funny that that's a difficult question. I would think that would be relatively straightforward to us. What, am I married or not? Are you married, single, no, or both? No, I'm not married. Are you single? Huh? <laughs> Uh, maybe I could. He's single. Can you ask? Can you I'm ask single that? now. Can you ask that in French? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? How did you learn? C'est pas bon. Ah, bon. Ah, il est bon. It is messed up. Qu'est-ce que vous avez dit? Qu'est-ce que vous avez dit? Mais il parle très bien. Il parle très bien. Everyone wants to show in French. That's going to be difficult for me. But if you guys can talk among yourselves for a minute, I can go get a drink. Bonjour, ça va? Ça va bien? Ça va, ça va. How did you learn to speak French, Vivian? 
No, I started when I was like 12, 13. I had this <sighs> grandmother who wanted to be a diplomat in France, and she never ended up going to France. And so um, I think it's kind of been in the family. There's been a lot of people in the family studied French and gone to France, and I studied for like six and a half years before I ever went. When I was 19, I had savings, and I saved up my money, and how I went. How did you get How'd you get the money? What did you do to save it? Um, I had jobs during What'd the holidays. You do? Yeah, uh, gosh, I worked at clothing stores. I worked, you know, wherever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I went, and then I fell in love with it. And so I got another job and saved up money and went back and, right. and bought the ticket and went. went. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Houston. Houston. And H-Town. the French that you learned in Houston yeah. was good enough to speak in uh, You know what? I had some really great French teachers, actually. That's yeah. pretty impressive, actually. I did. I had some great French teachers. And, um, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, I just went over there. And the one thing that was very interesting was it was cheaper to go over there and go to university in Paris for free. Because you could get it if you could get into the university, you could mm-hmm. go for free. Um, than to pay to go to even like University of Texas. Right, definitely free is cheaper than going free to is cheaper, university yeah. here. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. So um, you can get into the university in France if you're not French. Anybody? Uh, I was on. I paid for an exchange program that basically, if you could pass the test to get into the Sorbonne, you could go to the Sorbonne, and that's what I did. Yeah. So you have a degree from the Sorbonne? No, I just, I was only there for uh, my junior year. It's not written down here, don't worry. No one told me that. I didn't get that. School was... It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. You could do that in a lot of countries, Norway, Germany, if you Mm -hmm. can get in here. I got a French government scholarship, and they let me stay, like, even before, uh, I mean, after um, Action Performance. I got a chance to stay in Paris for um, for a good little while because I got a French government scholarship. They gave you money because you were, you, you know, they want to learn more about their culture and stuff. The French so government paid you to hang out. Yeah, I was, I was. Yeah, they gave me money. <laughs> okay, it was. It was cool. <laughs> which part bank. of the French government exactly did this? The French one. Hmm. Which, like, pa- which part of the French government? The ones that speak French. The Ministry <laughs> of Culture. <laughs> the French guys. Well, the Ministry of Culture. I don't Probably know. No, I mean, it was culture. like called a uh, cruise or whatever. Like their their, their cultural whatever mm-hmm. whatever thingy. So it was like a contest. Uh, it was pretty uh, much an art contest, in my opinion. That's the way I looked at it. Right. So I figured you got to outdraw all these people around the world, and so I, I thought my art was pretty good. So I I won, and so I went. Cool. It was fun. <laughs> so I just fun. I just got a chance to hang out. You just man. sent in like a a drawing somewhere. I forgot how it was done back then. It was like bef- the, before the age of everything's digital. And right. I was before that. Whatever. So you had to actually send in a piece of paper to somebody. I think it was paper. I think it was like, literally, literally pa- like, like actual real paper at, at one point in my life. But yeah, that's fun. How yeah, cool. When was that? I don't know. Uh, uh, who I would, don't know, man. I'm like, oh, I'm we could Google. dude, I can't remember what happened last year. <laughs> last Mardi Gras. I can't remember. <laughs> Come on, well, man. Well, that's different. I mean, was it like your twi- in your 20s? Oh, yeah. It was in my 20s. There oh, yeah. you go. Boom, 20s. There you go. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Maybe he was single. Yeah. Really great. So did you go over there by yourself, Ivan? Were you single? Yeah, yeah. I went over there and I was 19. I <laughs> there was you go, that single stuff, man. I was 19. So you just went there by yourself completely? Yeah. I, did. I went Houston. as a student. from. I actually was at university in Austin. I went over there and fell in love with it. And then as soon as I graduated, went back. I arranged to do an internship and went back and, uh, and fell in love with it and went back and forth. Wow. Hey, Chef Kevin is back. What's, is oh, my God, food? there's more oh, food. Oh, my God. It's 420. Chef. Yeah, you're right, bro. Wow, what is this? this? Pull up a chair. I'm going to ask you a question about that. that looks this awesome. This is a uh, tuna ceviche tostada. It's very common on street corners in Mexico City, Guadalajara, and they I, fry up their tostadas and put ceviches or other things on them as well. And this is my take on that. It has black bean puree. Cool. There's a whole slice of watermelon underneath the 
Well, fish. that's the pickled watermelon that you make. It's not pickled. That's it's not pickled. The, the other one is pickled. On okay. The, on the duck rats. So pickled. this is fresh watermelon. This is fresh watermelon. A, a slice of it. And then the tuna ceviche goes on top of that. It's like tuna with pico de gallo and some other seasonings. I get Mexican oregano, actually. And this is an avocado puree and a crema on top with some orange segments. Wow. It's a very clean, refreshing bite. Vivian, you have to try that right now and tell us I'm going to try and it, yeah. Lionel, take, Lionel's taking a photo of it. <laughs> Instagram. So, food porn. I'm loving it. This looks excellent. So, before, before Chef Kevin was a chef, he was in Special Forces. You in the, were? I was a reconnaissance Marine for eight years. Wow, where were you? It, all of the world. Are you allowed uh, to tell us? Yes. Okay. Would you bust people like me? You <laughs> 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 got nervous here. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> it ended in the uh, Gulf, first Gulf War. I, uh, my time duty was up then, and it was a good time to get out. I was getting older for that kind of work. And um, so I stepped away and started cooking. So I was more of a life taker during those years, and now I'm a life giver. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. Yes. We were talking about living all, all around the world and speaking foreign. Did you have to learn foreign languages? I did not have to. But they, uh, they, they the dropped Army, you the into Army, these. The Army Special Forces, they do. And a lot of us did, but we didn't really talk to people uh, so much. It was more behind-the-scenes hmm. work. So, the, so you worked in the Special Forces where they would drop you into some place? Yes. I'm a jumper and a scuba diver. Wow. Yes. Now, as a chef, I know you work a lot of food. As far as like working with chicken a lot, how many chicken necks have you broken compared to human necks in your lifetime? Oh. <laughs> okay. that's, a, that's a fair question. <laughs> Are you nervous again? <laughs> uh, you know what? That's an interesting question. Did you have to kill anybody? Yes. Huh. Of course. Look at him. Of course he did. They what do you mean look at him? He's a chef, for Christ's sake. But sex. he's clean cut and he's, and he's calm. That means he did what he did when he was younger. Go and tell them, man. And they, and they are. And they don't pick um, crazy people to go out and kill people. You don't. And it's a, jo- it's a job. You don't think about it. It's, right. you, ju- you just do. And they don't want crazy people just killing anybody that comes by. So, yes, it was very selective. And in the Gulf War, you don't do a lot with your hands. I mean, you call in air support and naval gunfire and artillery. So you take people out that way a lot. Mm. That's For the most part, that's how it rolls. And you made the ceviche. No. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, so are, you, are you happier now? <laughs> Multi-talented. I love them both. Yeah. Um, the Marine Corps experience was extremely exciting. Yeah. It was a great adrenaline rush. You got to blow shit up. It was, it was fun. But thank God you can cook. Oh, yeah. Yes. I what mean, did I you, did you, <laughs> I mean, what would you do? What would you do? What are, the other, what are the other guys, do, what are the other guys doing from um, that era? There's no telling. You don't know one anyone? One of my best friends went and joined the French Foreign Legion. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I, it's Holy mackerel. One guy works for USA Today, I know. Um, As a writer or delivering papers? Uh, delivering papers. <laughs> 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 no, he works in the, he's a, the corporate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but no, they've all gone on to do good things. Some of them stayed, you know. Yes. Are, you, are you from here originally? Originally from Ohio. Oh, okay. My brother's uh, chairman of medicine at Auctioner. Okay. And I moved here in 2001 to be with him and his family. And I have two sisters as well, but they're not here. One's in Connecticut, one's in Kansas. So, um, but I love. I moved here and love it. I came here from New York City, 10 years in New York City. You. What does your brother think about the Affordable Care Act? The, f- the Affordable, I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't what? 
what, 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 what does he think about the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known oh. as, as Obamacare? Does you he can not, put these headphones uh, on if you'd like. I really, I really shouldn't uh, speak for him, but I think he's with the hoi polloi, the general consensus that it's not probably the best idea. On it. Okay. And I think it's going to lower quality. Here. You do. I and that's what. So. Okay. I know you don't want to quote him, but that's, not. that's what you've picked up from hanging out around the, around the dinner table yes. at his place. Okay. Yes. No one seems but to have much of a good thing to say. No, about. no. Well, I know. How's that? Well, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on where you live in the United States because oh. it seems like Louisiana, it's not working for people, but in places, other places, it's working better in terms of the healthcare costs coming down low enough that certain people can be covered who weren't covered at all before. Um, well, apparently the governor of our state has something to do with it, and he's opted out for, on our behalf. Yeah. Is that right? That's what I heard, yeah. You, do you know something about it? Is that true? Or well, is it I actually did talk to someone a little paper. bit about it. And um, and they said, I mean, they were explaining to me because I, you know, I've only been here a few weeks. But they were explaining Have to me you? that that's you what You've only been here a few weeks. Six weeks, yeah. You've only been in New Orleans six weeks. Yeah, my dad's from Louisiana. So I grew up kind of back and forth a lot between Texas and Louisiana. But um, but I haven't lived in New Orleans for more than six weeks. Now. How the hell did Graham DuPonte, our <laughs> ace producer, snag you? I've been here six weeks. She knows everybody. Well, wh- what do you think after six weeks in New Orleans? I think Holy it's fantastic. Crap. I think it's the only place I could have moved to from Paris. From Paris. Yeah. Where in could the you States, go? In yeah. the States. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you could have maybe gone to New York City. That might no, be cool. No, I have no desire to live in New York City. Really? None. Oh. I wanted to be in, if I said if I came back to the States, I wanted to be in a smaller a smaller city. Town. New Orleans is the best. Man, this food is, this food is incredible. Man. It's just really good. Like, isn't this awesome? Oh, Thank you so much. Man. <laughs> I know it's hard to describe on, the, on you know, on something like this over the air each week, even though we come here and we try to talk about the food, how good it is. And it's really hard to describe how awesome it oh, really it's, it's tastes. It's tasty. The tostada. That's it's, excellent. It's, it's, it's light. It's great it's food it's good you know you, you feel it afterwards uh, it's, yeah i love it it's I delightful it. yeah, isn't it it's, yeah it's really yeah. good it's like a party in my mouth and everybody's <laughs> invited i love it this is this is where i had my first date with my boyfriend slash fiance what do i call you um my other half well what that? what is he is he a fiance you getting married i don't know you don't know. <laughs> Who would know? You got them hard questions. Man. Oh, la, la. You got them hard well, I didn't questions. Say, fiance is French, by the way, in case you're wondering. It wondering. is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't, what does it mean? One who's it about could, to get married. It could be a boyfriend. It could also be someone you're going to marry. It's oh, a, in it's French, it doesn't, it doesn't, it in could be French, both. It doesn't mean both. that. Ah, yeah. well, we maybe you've got an out well, I got here. Pa- I got to apologize <laughs> to that girl then. She called me a fiance. I got to go apologize to her. I messed up. I didn't know that. Who called you that? A, f- <laughs> a, French, a French woman <laughs> or some? <laughs> I'm completely kidding. <laughs> okay, thank goodness. <laughs> but this, well, we had a really nice meal here on New Year's Eve. And oh. Is that what sealed the deal? Uh, no, he he for several months called me and well, he sent Skype serenades music every day. So yeah, what did you send back? Uh, I called him every night and talked to him for an hour, and in the morning I'd wake up and there'd be a Skype serenade. So. Wow, how did you guys? How did you meet in the first place? We met when we were, when I was fourteen in high school, and uh, single. And he was so shy that he didn't really. He never asked me out. So, what high school were you all at? We went to two different high schools in Houston, but we hung out at the same guy's house every weekend, and we would see each other. But we he was never it asked me. Got sold pot. Part, part no. What did he do? I don't think he, not, <laughs> well, he didn't sell pot. What, what were you doing hanging out at his house? <laughs> that would be he Chef's house. <laughs> <laughs> 
He was one of my best friends, and he was one of his best friends, and he had the most fun house to hang out at. So okay. Hang out but you did, did you know each other then? You yeah. Did. Yeah. yeah. He had but long red hair. He was really cute. But I was 14. I mean, that was he was 16. I was 14, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like something out of The Sound of Music. It kind of was. I mean, no, it was really sweet. Was yeah. Really sweet, yeah. So f- how many years passed? 30. We hadn't seen him for 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. And then you lived your life and you went and lived in all the... Some of worked yeah. and lived in some of these yeah, various places. I actually did. And, and then uh, he went on with his life. And then how did you here. guys find each other after because this year is don't our say facebook for no <laughs> well it kind of indirectly this year is the year of 30th reunion and 50th birthdays for our friends and so we kind of every a lot of people were reconnecting because you're going to i saw people i hadn't seen in 30 years a lot of them so and you went to a high school reunion no actually through that best friend i heard things about him and then i came here for mardi gras a while back two two years ago mardi gras and mardi, I heard gras. mardi gras mardi, mardi gras mardi gras Actually, yeah. And then okay. I came back again to Mardi Gras with him, and I had a good time. Yeah, so it's kind of Mardi Gras-ish. Mm-hmm. Mardi Gras did it. Yeah. Watch out for that Mardi Gras. I pre- much prefer Mardi Gras to Facebook. That sounds, <laughs> that's a bit more romantic. Yeah, Mardi, it was Mardi, Mardi Gras where I heard more about his life from people. Yeah. So what was the deciding factor that you could move here with all these things that you do and um, making films and writing? and? Because I had been thinking about coming back for a while because my parents are getting older. And are they I just, here? They're in, they're in Texas, but they, my dad comes to Louisiana a lot. He's actually in Louisiana right now. And, um, and I kind of wanted to come home and I wanted my daughter to have a, a, U, a U.S. experience as well because she's going to graduate in three years. So you had a daughter there in the somewhere along the way. Yeah, I what country was that in? In France. in France. I was mostly in France. So your daughter's French. She's half French, yeah. Half French, okay. But she's technically French because she was born in France. Yeah. Does that make you French? If you was it the same as here? Well, um, it's her dad's French, so she has French citizenship through him and American citizenship through me. So okay. She's yeah. And how is she liking it after six weeks here? She thinks it's cool. She thinks it's great. She's in a great high school. She's she misses her friends and she misses Paris and her dad. Does she have a French accent and everything? She's no. like French. She, she does not. How does she not? English with an American accent because I always spoke English to her. So she's bilingual, trilingual kind of. What's the third language? We lived in Italy for a little while, so she... Oh, it did not <laughs> show up on the it list. It says Rome there. Rome, oh, that's uh, in Italy. Shit, I didn't even know. <laughs> what, what were you doing in Rome? Um, I created a film festival there and um, and was raising my daughter and, and doing research on different stuff because I also work as that's a journalist. Cool. So I was so are you, are you... I mean, do you ever go to sleep? Yeah. How do you, I sleep a lot, actually. How do you fit all this in? I started young. I started traveling when I was quite young. I right. was 19, and uh, and that's actually, I think but I was addicted I cr- to just traveling. Just that sentence alone. I created a film festival in Rome. I created a film festival. And that's festival. Like, another, yeah. like a throwaway sentence. I did one in Seattle for women with another with two other women. We did a women in cinema film festival. Okay, festival. okay, Seattle. I could almost believe that. You know, I mean, you're American and you're. Well, living. I'll be How honest. How do you create a film? We'll be honest. No, in we don't Rome, do that. In Rome, there was, I didn't know what to do work-wise I was trying to figure out the whole industry there and everything and then I, I realized I had an experience in film festivals and I thought I could raise the money and create one and, and I Why did you it. move to Rome? Um, it, was, it was weird it was right after 9-11 and um, I was getting divorced and a friend of mine in Rome said look I'm going to be going away for a while why don't you take my apartment and figure out what you want to do and he said, but be careful because it's dangerous in Rome because it's one of those places you just sort of stay. You just don't want to leave. And it's true. And my daughter was two and a half. It's a good place to have a small child because uh, you can go everywhere with your child there. And so I said, okay, I'm staying. 
I did. And you did? For three years, yeah. Wow. And so what was the film festival like? Is it, it still going? No, it was, a, it was for uh, two months. Uh, and it was, a, it was basically bringing uh, Scandinavian cinemas to Italy. In Italy, you didn't have, like film students there hadn't seen a lot of films by Lars von Trier and all these people on the screen. Only really big films would play in Rome. So we got film students from Bologna and all over the place coming in to see films they'd never seen before and uh, and I kind of knew a lot of those filmmakers and the people so I brought in those films wow how exciting so Chef Kevin just in case you're catching I'll catch you up Vivian made a movie called Obama Mama which is about President Obama's mother who was an amazing woman whatever you think of Obama amazing woman (laughs) yeah so so that's incredible it's pretty interesting isn't it very so she lives. So the film is in the New Orleans Film Festival mm-hmm. in 2014. If you're listening to this in 2014, yeah. and by the time if you're hearing it later, you'll be. Can you will you able to get it on Netflix and so on? Well, how does that um, all work? You don't want to necessarily get it on Netflix as you an do independent not want to. filmmaker. I mean, they, you don't make that ah, much money off it. Because you get screwed. Ah, well, really? I mean, it just depends on the deal you get. But um, but it's playing in New York in December. It's playing it's playing in different countries and different. Just I would just ask Flynn another question. What's he doing? What? Why are you holding up a cell phone to your mouth and then putting a piece of paper in your teeth? Man, what I'm, is I'm, what is it? Bro, are you it's sticking it's the sticker? sticker. I was trying to give you free ah, advertising. Nice. Smart butt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I was wondering what the hell you. So you're ripping up the sticker. That's nice. I was trying that's to help art. you out. <laughs> yeah, that's very nice. That's our local sticker from uh, from this New Orleans dot com. Yeah. I, well, I was wondering. I was like, glance over there, and you're sticking a piece I'm of paper process. in your mouth. Okay, I won't disturb the, the I process. I want to see some of his artwork. Where can I see your artwork? Oh, I got a website, uh, LionelMilton.com, or you can go to my Etsy site, and uh, just Lionel Milton. You got an okay. Etsy page and all the other stuff, social networkers, Lionel Milton. So, yeah. Cool. It's a ton of just authentic, homegrown, honest New Orleans stuff. It's cool. super honest. You had a... Yep gallery down on Magazine Street oh, yeah, for a yeah. while. Yeah, but I did have that. You were like a sort of pioneer down there, actually. Yeah, nobody was, nobody wanted to be down. Street. Nobody. It's funny now going down, everybody's yeah. mama won't be there now. Obama <laughs> mom, everybody <laughs> there now. But um, it's funny to, to I still live around there. But yeah, there's nobody there but me and Jim Russell Records. And um, mm. Boy, is he still there? Yeah, that, well, um, the building's still there, and I think uh, Miss Denise and them are still there. But yeah. Well, the project used to be right behind your studio. Yeah, I, got, I, got a, I got a picture with me in the middle of the street. Next to my uh, gallery, way back with that, with the project in the back. That's one of my favorite pictures I, have, I, have, I ever took. Because yeah. I, I told them, I said, one day they're going to tear that down, it's going to be completely different. And um, uh, a lot of stuff I told them what would happen. Qu- I, di- I didn't know what the swoon would happen, but I, it quickly happened. Yeah, it's funny. They did rip it down pretty quick, but oh, when yeah. it was there, yeah. where you were was on the corner, there was like a thoroughfare from the projects right oh, yeah, through right. to wherever heck everybody was still going. Yeah. It was yeah. an interesting bunch of. People would hang out around there. It was fun because you know it's Magazine Street, and it was it, it was it, you know you got your people who were homeless, you got your drunk guys, you got people you know from different walks of life. But at the end of the day, I'm be honest with you, I never got robbed, I never got broken into, I never got anything happened. Nothing every, got stolen. Nothing. I re, I was I would be so blah blah drunk or whatever. Sometimes I'd leave. I with all my artwork, I leave my door open. I had neighbors there. That would lock my door and put my key inside the mailbox and tell me you forgot to lock your door. Oh, that's so cool. the people there were amazing. I mean, they were they were just like, "L, you left your door open. I know you got your artwork in there. You might want to, you know, remember Sorry, next time." I'm like, "My bad, bro. Thank you, bro. That's yeah. nice." Yes, yeah, so did you did you paint well, did you paint stuff for MTV's Real World? Oh yeah, back did in it the for, day. Um, both matter of fact, for the one the first one that came, then the second one, and another one's in different cities too. Once I did the one, the oh, first you traveled one here, with it, the show. 
Oh yeah, yeah. They, they, had, they had me. Actually, yeah, they had me come to different places and paint for them, make murals, and sometimes they just take the artwork and just uh, use it on the show. But other times they fly me into all studios artwork and paint murals and different specialty stuff. So but sometimes I do it now. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Are you still doing sets like that now? Well, I try not to now because I'm just old and lazy. I'm just kind of like an early retirement. <laughs> I just want to chill. But if it's it, you know, if, if Chef come with me to, you know, bring some ceviche. It's not, I, I sound like a cook for it. you on the, yeah, now you uh, do, fly yeah, first yeah, class. Yeah, you know, it's a team effort. I love to think about it. Love to, love to. <laughs> I bet you would, Chef, wouldn't you? I would. Travel around the world. Are you still traveling at all, Kevin? Not, not so much. You're stuck here, I guess. What can you do? Can you get away at all when you're a chef? <clears throat> Eventually. Eventually, yes. But not now. You have to wait till you've trained a few people up to do what you do. So you're tied to this thing. So you're tied to a kitchen. It's a startup. I mean, you started this business up here, so it's all on you. It is. My name's on everything. Yeah. So I ha- have to be here. Do you have? To, is there like? A, is it like a business I'm where you have to make so much money a month or a week or something for it to work? Or is there, is there a longer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there a longer? Is there a bigger, a there bigger is. picture? There is. There is. So you it, can hang in. It's a business. But plan. You guys are doing. Must be doing really well. We're this place well. is rocking. Yeah. We're doing very well. It's awesome. It's good. Guys, we're going to have to get out of here. That's the end of Happy Hour, I'm afraid. Oh, Can you so believe it? No, not really. Our show has come to an end. That's horrible. Did, did I forget to ask you anything about being single? Huh? <laughs> did I forget to mention? I think another question for you. <laughs> to mention your marital status? Thank and you. And when are you getting married then? I, Vivian, what's I, the plan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. It's up to you. There so you, you guys are really, it's just a real deal. You move here for six weeks. You've only been living together for six weeks after not seeing each other for 30 years and you're going to get married. No, I mean, we dated back and forth, but it's a lot of flying back and forth. So. Where were you living when you were dating? In France. You mm. were living in France. Yeah, so he would come and over to France. your fiancé like was living you. here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you've been here for six weeks and you're talking about getting married. That is serious. <sighs> serious. Wow. That's serious. I, I admire holla, that. Holla. I think that's great. <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, that's well, commitment. I, I, I actually, I mean, he's from where I'm from, you know. Houston. It's a pretty romantic story. Are we, are we <laughs> all going to get invited yeah, to the wedding, by the way? Yeah. We're all invited. Where's it going to be? I would assume in New Orleans. Yeah, but I, I mean, so. you haven't got a place picked no, out yet? No, not yet. What are you going to wear? Something very cool. Something I don't know. <laughs> it depends when, what time of year we get married. I love clothes, so. You love clothes? Yeah. Well, you're wearing clothes now, so that's going to yeah, work out great. <laughs> so uh, what time of the year would be good to get married? Spring or fall? Maybe get married at Jazz Fest. Maybe. I haven't seen that for years. Do people still do that? Remember I you used know. to see that every yeah, jazz. I've seen that, see. yeah. yeah. I, la- I get my laugh on with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was always good. Always funny. Some drunk people getting married at jazz <laughs> and wandering around and people are, <laughs> she's in all white, he's in yeah, tie-dye yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with flip-flops. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> now, there won't be any flip-flops. I, I, that's oh, something, I, yeah. No you're going to have to, gonna have to get, make get people get dressed straight. up. It's important. Yeah. Is it? You think so? You think fashion's important? I don't know about fashion. Well, my daughter wouldn't say that being from Paris, but oh. yeah, I mean, I think that we don't celebrate things and have enough times that we actually can get dressed up. Yeah, yeah. well, especially not here where nobody cares. Yeah, I, know, I, I never I mean, get dressed up. I love no. to get well, dressed, dressed up. Well, you're dressed up now, you look great. Well, my sister said nice dress, she said dressed like Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Yeah, she always uh, just like Adam Sandler. My sister does it all the time. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> men, men look really. They always say men wearing a, a tuxedo. They they either look like a gentleman or a waiter. So you can tell a lot about a man. And a man who is bringing someone flowers is always handsome. So there. Just remember that, guys. 
Always. I yeah. look like a goober every time I got flowers <laughs> in my hair. No, well, no, no you don't. Every woman's going. Oh. Do yeah. you think so? Really? Are you serious about that? I always yeah. think if you have to bring someone flowers, it's like too late. No. Uh, something you've already fucked up so bad. Well, uh, there now are. You're bringing flowers. There right? are those kind of flowers. There are those kind of flowers, but you don't like those. That's a whole different kind of. Mm, those okay. men don't look good. Men so when you give a flower, you say, "My bad, dog. That don't work." <laughs> That doesn't work. I think we, if you leave know, the, yeah. just leave the word bad out. Just say my dog. <laughs> my bad dog. I mean a dog. Okay. No, you know. bullshit, dog. Yeah, I forgive you. You should give flowers just because. I bet. So that's that's a good thing to do if you're a guy. Is yeah. just to give a woman flowers. You yeah. like that? Yeah. Okay. And do you have to be dressed a certain way to pull that off? No. Then it doesn't matter what you wear. But it does. It's nice to see a man every once in a while get dressed up because I think mm-hmm. we've become so casual. It's boring, you know. Just flowers. I like casual. I like casual, too. I'm just saying that at a certain point, every once in a while, you want to, you know, have a reason to get dressed up. Like when you go to Paris and you see a Frenchman who's, you know, nicely dressed, it looks nice. Do you have to look trim and everything? No, men can, you can you still know. be fat? Last time I put on a suit, yeah, I want to a man, a man a should look like he enjoys life. Yeah. A woman, too. Flip-flops in the tank top look like you're enjoying life more than a suit. <laughs> I mean, you got it. Yeah, come on. I it mean, depends. It depends. Shoot, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> If I wear a suit, I'm going to court. I ain't going to court. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What do you What do you call a man in a suit? The defendant. For real. Oh. Straight up. I agree. I for real. Yeah, I mean, do you even own a suit? For no, I actually do not. I mm-hmm. probably do not own a suit or a cause degree. See, he knows the answer to that, but <laughs> yep. he doesn't know the answer to be single. Well, he doesn't. <laughs> Kevin, do you own a suit? He was talking to Chef. You own a suit? How often do you wear a suit? Um, not in the past two years. Since you moved to New Orleans, in other words. Yes. But in New York, you wore suits. Yes. Okay, there you go. When you were a chef in New York, you were a well-known chef in New York. Yes. When did you get an opportunity to wear a suit in New York that you wouldn't hear? Oh, going out to dinner. Okay. Oh, always. It's a more formal city. Paris is a more formal city. But the good thing about New Orleans is you can wear a suit and go out to dinner if you want to, but no one's going to care if you don't. You don't have to wear a suit. I'm just saying, like, you know. A suit's just a jacket and a pair of pants. You don't have to wear a suit. Just a little, every once in a while. I got two shirts with buttons on them. (laughs) You all right, one. I got one. one shirt with buttons. Really, it's really one. The other one is short sleeve. <laughs> where, do, where do you get all your t-shirts from? Oh, Just man, pick I them up anywhere. Well, Red Bull. To be honest with you, I go to the dollar store and get uh, six of them for ten bucks, and so I get a whole bunch of those. And then a friends of ours, because we all skate, still too way too old to still be You're skateboarding. Still skating. Oh yeah, Charles absolutely. skateboards. Absolutely, but we trade our shirts. We it, we still to this day trade each other's t-shirts. Oh, wow. Like, oh, that's a nice shirt. And we'll see. So you're reason. too old to get on a plane and go and paint a set for a TV show. But you're still skateboarding and swapping T-shirts with the guys on the hey, street. Hey, man, call it being okay. f- in your 40s, bro. I mean, and being from New Orleans. We just can't get it together. <laughs> Chalk it up to New Orleans. Chalk it up to New Orleans. Chalk on that note, we're going to have to... Well, Vivian, this has been a, a fantastic show. Thank you for joining us. And congratulations on moving to New Orleans. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait till everyone listening to the show gets their invitation to your wedding. Oh, gosh. Wherever it's going to be. <laughs> at Maybe Jazz we'll Fest. If we do it at Jazz Fest, that would be good. Vivian Norris and Lionel Milton, thank you so much you both for joining us. James Hayes was going to be here, but he hasn't showed up at all. And and our third impromptu guest, the chef Kevin White from here at Wayfair. Thank you. Well, that's Happy Hour, our show. produced by Graham DuPonte, our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director, and the theme music that you're listening to currently was written by and is being played by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. If you'd like to be on our show and you can sit around this table for about an hour, have something to eat, and stay upright after a couple of drinks, get in touch with us. Our address is on our website where you can also check out other happy hours and other shows we make as well. Out to lunch with Peter Raschuti live from Commander's Palace. 
Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pagek, true to the game, with Chris True, Midnight Menu Plus One, with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada, and Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker. You can keep up with us on Facebook, on Twitter, and a whole bunch of other time-sucking social media as well. And all of it, where it's New Orleans, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Facebook and Google Plus pages. These photos were taken by the fabulous Douglas Engel. If you're listening to this on iTunes, on Stitcher, or Swell, or some other podcast app that you prefer, thank you for subscribing to us. Stop everything you're doing right now and take a moment to rate and review us. It takes about three seconds, and it does help other people find us. Our show is recorded live today, as you know, the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street, where they put fine dining into a sandwich and fine booze into a glass. Happy Hour is a production of IMO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, who may or may not be back here next week. For Graham DuPonte, everyone back at INO and around the table here at Wayfair. I'm Grant Morris. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you back here next time on Happy Hour.